The Story in Your Head, Episode 15, Wired for Success. Welcome to The Story in Your Head. I'm Ron Macklin, and today we're going to talk to Claudia Garbutt. She's the founder of Wired for Success Coaching and the host of the Wired for Success podcast. On today's episode, we'll talk about how the Macklin Method is prevalent in her life and how helping others recognize their strengths and weaknesses has helped her realize her own. Claudia, welcome to the Story in Your Head podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're, you're very welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We're looking forward to you. And thank you so much for joining us and being part of the Backland Connection family. Uh, it's my pleasure. So, Claudia, what is the first thing you noticed when you talk about you know, like the story in your head? What, where was the thing that made a difference for you about noticing your own stories or noticing other stories? What I noticed was how much they're really holding me back. So for me, the first time I really became aware of those stories in my head was when I became a mom and I decided not to go back to my biology job because I was working in a lab, which usually means it's kind of like 24-7 lab work, which wasn't really compatible with what I wanted for my family. So it wasn't the lifestyle that I wanted for myself or my family. So I, I was in this weird space where I knew I didn't want to go forward with the things that I knew, but there was this gap. I didn't know what else, what other possibilities were out there because I didn't know anything else. And that's where all those stories started to show up in my head. Like, you don't know anything else. So you can't do anything else. So you're stuck. And so I had to really work my way through all those stories and identify where they came from to set myself free again and pursue something different. How did you change the stories or did you change the stories? I think I changed them gradually and it's, it's a process. So sometimes they still keep showing up. It's like this imposter syndrome that kind of creeps back in every now and then where you think like, what the heck am I doing here? Who am I to tell people what to do or what not to do? But for me, it was really to figure out how I was holding myself back. So a lot of things that came up were centered around not enoughness. This was one that's really at the source of so many things of so many limiting beliefs that are holding us back. So I really had to change that story to something like, well, maybe I don't know how to do something different right now, but I can learn to do something different. I can develop those skills. I can find something that I'm passionate about. So it was really to, if you want to adjust reality in my head. Thanks, Claudia. Can you give us an example? Sometimes it's great to talk about it, but if is there an exact example of something that like you you have a story and you made up a new one and you ran it, whatever that is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So one of the things, for example, was the story in my head was I hate public speaking and I especially hate speaking English in public. So (laughs) 
that's kind of why I created my podcast. It's kind of, you have to face those fears. You have to prove to yourself that you can do hard things if they are aligned with what you want to achieve or where you want to go in the future. Yeah, great. So, so I'm not enough is one of my favorite stories. So I, I can totally empathize. <laughs> and, and that's kind of why I'm here too on this podcast. So <laughs> I'm, I'm totally with you. One of the questions I have is, what does it mean to be enough? Like that word enough. What's enough? I think enough just means that we don't operate out of a place of lack. So as long as we see the world through this filter of lack, of not enoughness, we create those limitations in our heads. But as soon as we can flip this to see the abundance, the possibilities out there, and to honor ourselves for who we are and what we can contribute to the world, that's when we see our enoughness. Thanks, Claudia. I can relate to that story. Was there a moment like the first time you did a podcast, the first time you made an invitation to a podcast or where like there's that fear, there's that space that's in your head where everything in your body's going, well, for me, it would be like, get out of here now, run fast. Yes. Don't, don't call, don't push that button. Don't do that. Yeah. Absolutely. How did you, how did you create the space for you to step forward in that? I think one thing that's always helping me in these kinds of situations is to, to stop the fear and change to curiosity instead. So I like to call that kind curiosity. So instead of playing out those worst case scenarios in my head, I change them to what would be my best case scenario. So I'm, I'm starting to be curious about the possibilities this can open up for, for myself and for the people that I want to help. So creating the best case scenario instead of the worst case scenario helps me to take the next step. And when you create that best case scenario, how often does that happen? The best case scenario? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, probably most of the time, it's, it's neither the worst case scenario nor the best case scenario. But what it does when we think about the best case scenario is really, Ron, you talked about before those physical sensations, like when you're so nervous, you don't want to do this and you have this stress response, like the complete stress response, your, your palms are sweaty, your heart is racing. And what it does when we, when we shift to the best case scenario, it is that we can stop or we can interrupt that stress response in our bodies. And that can calm us down again. So this is how we are able to take that next step and why it's so important. It doesn't really matter if the best case scenario is really the outcome of whatever we are going to do next. So it's not about the outcome. It's about getting ready to move forward. I'm, re I'm relating this to this from like one of the, like what we did at the beginning of the call where we created our way of being. Like we said, this is going to be. And it, it relates to me in that way. I go, I, I, it's a really powerful tool. So the first time after you've got this in your own head, right? You have this story, you're going to change you know, how you look at things, right? 
What was it like the first time you tried to help somebody else with that? Good question. I think for me, it was, or for most people, it's easier to help other people than to help yourself, right? Because from the outside, it's always so obvious what the other person should do, right? Because we all have our blind spots and we don't see we don't see everything from all the angles. So we always have this limited view of the world. And so I think when I started to work with people, it was, I mean, they, they got results fast because I could fill in their blank spots. I was able to show them what they were not able to see for themselves. And that's what I like about coaching. It's not about telling people what to do specifically. It's about showing them what they might be missing so that they can come to their own conclusions. I'm curious, when you help people find their blind spots, does it help you at all? See yours? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's so often that I learn so many important lessons through working with other people because it also shows me my, my blind spots when they reflect certain things back to me. So yeah, I learn from them. They learn from me. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Great question, Michelle, because that was the one I was going to ask too. And like what well, part of our programs that we put together is we hold that the leading or teaching or coaching, that's the prize because the coach, the teacher, the leader always learns more than the other person, right? Yeah. So if you start in one of our programs, before long, you'll hear us say this. So are you ready, are you ready to lead? <laughs> what, what would it be like for you to lead? What, what, would, what would leading do for you? And we're all tossing the, those lines. You're asking those questions in a way to let them see the other side of what it means to help somebody and how much you learn. Is there anything that you would add to that? Or do you see that too? In, in this space? So for me, when I think about authentic leadership, it's about two main elements. It's about self-awareness. That's kind of what we just talked about. And then the second piece is self-regulation. So self-awareness is so important because as long as we don't understand what, what drives us, what motivates us, and also what triggers us, we project our own motivations, fears, and insecurities onto new situations and other people. And once we understand those driving forces better, we stop taking everything so personally. And then the self-regulation part is so important because it allows us to put this little bit of space between the trigger and an automated response. And this space allows us to kind of diffuse the trigger and switch back from, from getting reactive to being responsive. And what happens when we are reactive is that we disconnect, we shut others down. Whereas when we stay responsive, we open ourselves up to those new possibilities and we, we invite others to share different ways of thinking. And that's how teens can create those wonderful synergy effects. So the thing is, or the trouble is that we usually assume that other people think the same way we do, that they have the same fears and drives and motivations, because these things, they feel so natural to us that it feels like they are 
the truth. So in our minds, objective truth, like the earth is round, and felt truth, like other people can't be trusted, they sometimes have the same weight and quality, if that makes sense. And then those truths, they, they act as the filters through which we interpret the world. And that's why we don't see the world as it is. We see it as we are. And becoming an authentic leader is all about becoming aware of those filters that influence how we interpret the world and then understanding that those filters are based on our knowledge and on our prior experiences, not on objective truth. And that other people have different filters based on their current knowledge and their prior experiences. So if we want to become good leaders, I think we have to really understand and honor those individual differences in order to effectively communicate with others and build teams where people respect and support each other instead of trying to throw each other under the bus. Yeah, thank you. I, I've seen a couple of times where what I, how I interpreted a situation may have taken me a while is totally different than how somebody else has interpreted a situation, which is what I heard you describing. Yeah, what? happens to all of us. Oh, I know. And sometimes it's such the simplest little things. Um, just a, a quick example that I give because it's so simple. Going out to play tennis with my husband. And I say, well, let's play at on five. And what he heard is he didn't want it. It was like 3.30 because I don't want to play for an hour and a half. I'm like, who the hell does? I want to play on court five, right? So just <laughs> simple because that's where the tennis balls were, right? So I'm <laughs> looking to minimize how far I need to walk. He's looking to minimize how long he wants to play. Totally different concerns. Yeah. But I had to laugh at it because what a misunderstanding. And that was a 20-second conversation, right? Imagine what happens in something longer. But I don't always have the opportunity to notice, or I'm still working, <laughs> I should say, on, on how to do that. What practices might you have to help people kind of see that they've fallen into the this is why the situation I understand versus understanding what others may be seeing and hearing. Again, I think the key is to become aware of what you see as a truth, as kind of your objective truth, or, or to start questioning your assumptions. So if in your head you have a story, like as I mentioned before, maybe people can't be trusted, then to really question those beliefs and um, start to ask yourself, is there any evidence for that belief? So do I have evidence for this belief? But do I also have maybe evidence for the opposite, that the opposite could be true? So maybe it's the truth somewhere in the middle. Usually when we have an, like an extreme opinion, the truth is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> so just starting to become more aware of where we think in extremes, and then questioning those extremes and assumptions. Claudia, I've heard you mention the word trust several times. Mm -hmm. What is trust for you? Like, how do what is your distinction for it, or what do you use it for? And then, like an example of trust. I think trust for me just means that I can rely on people to keep their promises, or that I can rely on them to show up when I need help and to give me the benefit of the doubt when I might have offended them. So 
trust is really this the the basis or looking at someone and saying i believe that whatever you're doing you're trying to do it in my best interest or i i have your best interest in mind when i do things does that make sense <laughs> it, it does my, my follow-up question is can you trust somebody that you've never met before yeah i think so yeah well i can say this we trusted you today to be on a call and it, it, like it's going great and at the same time we didn't really know each other yet yeah, that's true that's true and i felt complete trust with you and with michelle to create this call thank you you're welcome yeah one thing i wanted to follow up on you kind of said part of trust was for people to give you the benefit of the doubt when you offend them um <laughs> yeah. uh, i'm sure we've all run into that situation at least you know i have not meaning to do that. How does that show up to you? And what do you do, right? <laughs> One thing that comes to my mind is my, my husband. So my husband is from New Zealand. His German is excellent. But sometimes we have these situations where it's kind of like lost in translation. Something that he meant to say wasn't, didn't quite translate to what he was saying. So I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that he meant something nice <laughs> or at least didn't mean to offend me. And it's the same for him. We sometimes, we have these things where the communication just, you know, breaks down a little bit. Could be, could be the language, could be something else. It's just, as we said before, sometimes we see things differently and we get offended just because we have those different filters and we we see things differently and we interpret them differently. But then just to really talk through what came up for each one and why one of us might have felt <laughs> offended and what we really meant by whatever the other one was saying. Yes. Yeah, so, so what I heard there is just ask. <laughs> yes, just <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> Thanks. What I, also what I heard was believing in them. Yeah. Like, not, like it's not just trust, but it's also believing in them and what they're up to, even though it may have come across, well, different than what you <laughs> would have wanted it to be, but to believe in that they have a good intent and they, mm -hmm. they're, they're caring and they, they are authentic and a miracle. Yep. You know, one, one thing that, that I saw when I was reading through your website prior to this, you said we are much more powerful you are much more powerful than you think you are. I'm curious, why did you write that? And, and what's that about? That again goes back to those limiting beliefs where we all set ourselves short. We have those limiting beliefs. We think that we can't do certain things or we shouldn't be doing this. We should do that instead. And this is, and sometimes we, we feel so stuck in our own ways, in our patterns, that it feels like, we can't change them. Like those patterns define us. They are that our failures define us or something, our shortcomings define us. But that this is really not true and that you can change that perception and you can change what you want to do. And that's how you're, or you can change these stories in your head and then enable yourself to do so much more powerful things. So this is what this was really all about for me, this 
statement that you're so much more powerful than you think because you can rewire your brain. You can learn new things. So, Claudia, I I was, I think, I don't know, in my 30s or 40s before I realized all the stories in my head that I had created and didn't know I was creating them. And to, to figure that out when I'm, I think I was somewhere right around 30 years of age, I, I can visualize, I know where I was when it showed up for me. But now you're a mom and you have, you have young, young children, right? So how are you working with that and, and dancing with, with younger children and, and, the, and all the stories they're making up in their head all the time? <laughs> That's a very good question. Sometimes it's really, it's just fascinating to see how they see the world because that again can teach us so many things about what we believe to be true, but maybe isn't necessarily true for everyone. So say they can still see the world without too many filters. Like they can connect so many things for them. They don't think in so many categories yet. And this is really fascinating to, to experience. And I'm trying to be mindful to explain to them how powerful they are and how much they can influence their their successes and what it means to be successful and something that came up for me a lot was i was so afraid of making mistakes so one message i always try to get across is that sometimes you win sometimes you learn failures are there to learn from them they are stepping stones to success because i don't want them to be so afraid of failure that they don't even try things. So this is one of the one of the <laughs> most important lessons that I want them to learn because when they're not too afraid, when they're not afraid to try new things, I think they will be fine. Yeah, thank you. I so I have a daughter and she's 24 now. They're incredibly resilient is what I learned <laughs> as I went through and <laughs> And it's like, wow, maybe I can learn from them on that resilience piece because they, they were able to bounce back from things that I sometimes had a challenge to do. So I certainly appreciate that. What I found too is my, my daughter got older is I had a story in my head stuck of when she was maybe at a time that you'll get there eventually, uh, teenagers, right? <laughs> Which can be a, sometimes a challenging time as a parent. At least that's the story I had. And so it occurred. And I held that story for a while until I realized she was a beautiful young adult. And boy, did that shift my orientation towards her and our relationship. Mm -hmm. So I found I learned a lot too as they were growing up and how I oriented and what story I had about them and whatever phase of life they were going through. And you're right, there's an amazing amount of things to learn. Michelle, what I've noticed is, and, and I remember this story from my father, he would say, yeah, I, I'm learning from you now. And I'm sitting in, in, in the same space going like, I am learning so much from my kids right now. As I watch yeah. them grow, as I believe in them, as I give them space to produce whoever it is they choose to be. And I'm learning all the time from them. They, mm. they see the world different because of like the space that they grew up in. And to be open to that, to be modifiable to that. Cool. Yeah. I, I think I still need to learn to give them more space. <laughs> and be less controlling like 
I can see that they're about to do something stupid and I try to, to, to prevent them from doing that. But sometimes maybe they have to make those, they have to make those experiences to learn from them because they don't learn from what mom tells them. They learn through experience. And this is sometimes something that I still struggle with. <laughs> I, I had a saying, I think I said it like twice and the kids took off with it. Right. And, and, and that is they do something that where they messed up and hurt themselves or whatever. And I just go, well, if you're going to be done, you got to be tough. Right. And, and I remember my Lauren is like six years of age. She'd fall down, do something. She goes, well, you're going to be dumb. You got to be tough. Right. <laughs> and I was watching them like, well, go, go make your mistakes. Right. And learn. Just make sure you, when you do the things, just go back and learn. Don't be ashamed. Mm-hmm. Just be just be open to learning. But it's, it's hard for parents. <laughs> well, it is, but it's also when I'm saying that to her, I'm, I'm also going like, "Well, darn that that applies to me too." <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember for me that the biggest one was teaching her how to ride a bike. It kind of all mm-hmm. right because you know when you let go of that bike, <laughs> there's almost a hundred percent probability they're going to fall over, right? Yeah. At some point in the next 30 seconds, most likely, right? But you got to do it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, how are they going to learn? Yeah, we want to protect them so much, but sometimes that's not a good thing. Yeah, so I'm there with the Band-Aids and, you know, ready to pick them up. <laughs> Claudia, thank you for your, for your willingness to be on our call, for being authentic with us and sharing who you are with the world. Is there anything that's like a passion you want to share or to add into the conversation that so far you would say is missing? Hmm. Anything else? <sighs> Nothing that comes to my mind. No, no worries. I just want to make sure that you have the space with, with our audience, right? To be able to share who you are and anything else that you want to share about that. Michelle, is there any, anything else we want to cover? No, I, this was amazing. I learned a lot. Thank you. Oh, thank you. So, so did I. I acknowledge you for your courage. I, I have lived in Germany. I have spoken German to German people. And I can say this, wow, that's hard. And I can't imagine what it's like. Specifically, when I was over there, they always come to me and say, can I practice my English? And I was going, oh, I'm, not getting, I'm not getting any closer, guys. And they're going like, no, but we are. <laughs> Excellent. So congratulations on your courage. And your English was amazing, perfect. And thank you for that. Anything else you'd like to say before we wrap it up? No, just if anyone needs help, I'm happy to help. They can find me through my website. I invite them to book a call if they need any help. Perfect. Thank you, Claudia. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you all for listening today. Please take a moment to subscribe to the story in your head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Thank you all. And we'll see you next time. 